When Leanne was in grade six, she had her first boyfriend, and she wrote about their relationship in her diary. I went on my first date. Well, sort of. I was going out with Jeremy. He is really nice. Chris was going to push me, and Jeremy came and threw Chris down. Wow, what a guy. (laughs) He called me on Tuesday because I was sick. He wanted to know how I was doing. On Thursday, he got hit in the mouth with a hockey stick. On Friday, I dumped him because I just wanted to be friends. I miss him now. That's Leanne, learning just how fleeting love can be. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. How are you doing? It is very, very nice to see you. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live at the mansion in Kingston, Ontario, we have horoscopes from an elementary school newsletter, childhood thoughts on the Apollo 11 space mission, and what it's like to dress up as a prostitute for Halloween. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and it can help us remember where we came from. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. When Al was in grade five, he had a crush. And to let his crush know exactly how he felt, Al wrote her a letter. So this is a letter I wrote to my crush on the second last day of school in grade five. My crush being my teacher at the time. (laughs) I've changed your name because I saw her in public recently, so I don't want to... Dear Miss C, hey Miss C, it's Al, from school. (laughs) It's the end of the year and I wanted to let you know that you are my favorite teacher I have ever had. You are the smartest, the funniest, and the prettiest. Although most of my other teachers have been men, so you haven't had much competition. I've liked you ever since the day you told me I was funny, even though I often disrupt your class. You also told me you're a Leafs fan. That's okay, not everybody's perfect. I really like you more than a friend. I know it would be wrong for a student to date a teacher because of the age difference. I would guess you're 28, which would make us 16 years apart. I know that because you taught me math. (laughs) 
I know it's wrong now, but when you're 36, I will be 20. And imagine being a 36-year-old woman dating a 20-year-old man. That would be pretty cool. I am willing to wait for you. Love, Al, from school. When Wendy was 12, she kept a diary, and she used it to record her thoughts on a number of subjects. She wrote about boys and her dog. And we're going to hear about Wendy's political aspirations. Please welcome her to our stage. Friday, May 23rd, 1969. I'm definitely running for president of Junior High Council. Karen's running for secretary. I wish we had our damn sewing machine fixed so I could sew my poncho, which I'm wearing to the dance. (laughs) Monday, my friend John made a poster for me for the election. Vote Wendy for president, W for wise, E enterprising, N noble, D discreet, Y youthful. (laughs) I made 96 paper buttons saying, vote Wendy for prez. Len and Shelley are running against me. My girlfriend Debbie says Gary thinks I'm cuddly to dance with. (laughs) Tuesday. I have two posters up and on all 96 buttons passed out. My speech is fini. (laughs) Mr. Matheson, the vice principal, bawled me out for wearing such a short dress to school. And I told him I had shorts that match. I was almost sent home, but Kathy had a skirt in her locker I could wear. Wednesday. I had to say my speech in front of the grade eights first, missing Jim. And there was question time, and I answered a question so dumbly. (laughs) Friday. Shelley won for president. (laughs) By the way, I got, I won for president for high school in grade 11, and I won. (laughs) As president. (laughs) Saturday, July 5th. It sure feels funny wearing a B-R-A, exclamation mark. Monday, the most boring day. I don't think I should even bother writing since there's nothing new. Oh, yes, dot, dot, dot. Simon and a stray, Simon, my dog, beat up a billy goat. (laughs) The stray is getting shot. I love my dog, Simon, so much. If anyone shot Simon, I'd commit suicide. Monday, I went to Marlene's at 1230. Simon pissed on the wall at home. I'm staying overnight at Marlene's, and boy, I nearly couldn't come because Daddy said, you asked for a dog, so now you've got to stay home and look after them. We let you go to Bernice's last week, and we looked after the dogs for you, etc., etc. Boy, did he get mad, and so did Ma, and so did me. <laughs> Tuesday, I came home from Marlene's at 9.30 in the morning because of the dogs, and Simon wasn't there. He's been gone all day. If anything happened to him, I will die. Oh, Simon, you've got to come home because I'm having a hairy... Wednesday, July 16th. Simon isn't home yet. I miss him terribly. I've started sewing name tags on my clothes for camp. (laughs) Today, Neil Armstrong, Michael Collins, and somebody Aldrin have blasted off... (laughs) 
have blasted off to the moon. And in my drawing, you can look later, but I drew a picture of the, the, on top of the page of an arrow pointing to the earth and the moon along the edge of the space capsules. Anyway, Thursday, again I write Simon isn't home yet. Oh, he's got to come home. Dad says I can put an ad in the Gleaner. Friday, what a time to have my period. <laughs> when we're going to the Giffords Cottage tomorrow, but my sister started me on Tampax. Sunday, July 20th, Simon isn't home yet. We made orange cookies. <laughs> Neil Armstrong, Edwin Aldrin landed on the moon at four. They walked on it at 10.30. I live in the space age, three exclamation marks. <laughs> Again, I have a drawing of the astronauts walking on the moon. Monday, Simon isn't home yet, and when he does, I'll be the happiest person in the world. Tuesday, July 22nd, at the top of the page, this page is for my love Simon with a heart over the eye. At lunch, Daddy told me that the policeman said Simon has been stolen. And Daddy said that if we do get him back, he must be destroyed. When he said those awful words, I immediately ran up to my room in a flood of tears and took a fit. It has been a whole week since Simon has been lost, and I was hoping he'd come back so much. I've never loved a dog as much as Simon. I doubt I ever will, not even Tasha, our new puppy. Saturday, Ricky Godfrey, name changed to protect the guilty, is the dirty fink who stole Simon and he sold him to an auctioneer, the dirty crook. My brother Mike is trying to talk my dad into going to court. My brother Mike became a, a lawyer. <laughs> Boy, I hate that Ricky Godfrey. Just because Simon and another dog heard his lousy goat, he doesn't have to pay us back by stealing Simon. One week later at camp... Last night, I gave a demonstration on how to use Tampax. <laughs> no one in our tent has started their period. <laughs> but they are amazed at Tampax. That's it. Brene Brown once wrote that courage starts with showing up and letting ourselves be seen. And one of the things that always amazes me about our readers is the courage they show by getting up on stage, doing just that, allowing themselves to be seen. And one of my favorite things about our live events is seeing readers search for and then find that courage. Kim is going to share two poems, both of which were written when she was 16 years old. We're going to hear a poem that Kim says was influenced by hormones and Morrissey. And we're also going to hear another poem. And just a quick heads up, uh, this makes mention of an eating disorder. Please welcome to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids stage, Kim. Forced to ponder. Many a thing appears odd to me. Many a thing makes me sick. Inadequate men are plain to see, for they keep stepping on their dicks. <laughs> Many a thing appears odd to me. Many a thing makes me sick. In cemeteries, there are no enemies, yet they claim death a hard bucket to kick. Many a thing appears odd to me. Many a thing makes me sick. A cynical view is what I must decree. Denying atrocities will not do the trick. 
Many a thing appears odd to me. Many a thing makes me sick. In light of the human condition, I will never be free. I can only hope time passes me quick. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Disclosure of a polemic. Here I give you my finger, not to insult you as it may seem, but to represent a weapon which shoots bullets to keep me lean. Here I give you my throat, a trigger pulled and all is lost. It is ravaged and it is raped. My dignity is stripped at all cost. Here I give my fate, a slit throat, not to be her stone, cut by the knife of purging, deep slicing my finger to the bone. Here I give you my apologies. There is one for each time I kill. Murdering my only body, understand it is not a thrill. Here I give you my farewell. You see, I recently had a snack. I would stay if I had the mindset, but my meal is coming back. I wanted to share those two pieces of writing um, because I felt they both addressed important mental health issues and could potentially be helpful to someone else. Uh, I would have benefited from hearing such poems when I was a kid. I think ultimately for me, my eating disorder was um, a point of control and trying to control my life inwardly and outwardly. And fundamentally, I learned that you cannot control an eating disorder. It inevitably controls you. Um, The loss of oneself goes well beyond body weight. And it can take years to recover, if ever. Um, My advice would be don't be ashamed and don't be alone with it. You can be brave, reach out, talk to someone and get better. Um, It's day by day and Um, sometimes minute by minute, and I do hope that uh, both those poems uh, benefit somebody and uh, that they put a bit of good out into the world. Uh, Thank you so much, and take care. Bye-bye. Does anybody in the room read or pay attention to their horoscope? Do we have horoscope readers? A handful of people in the room. When Chris was in grade six, his class had a newsletter that they all worked on together. And Chris was responsible for writing the horoscopes. We're going to hear some of those right now. Please welcome him to our stage.
I just want to point out that one of the other articles in this newsletter was uh, a comparison of New Kids on the Block and Led Zeppelin. <laughs> the boys wrote this newsletter and Led Zeppelin won. <laughs> uh, Aries, this could be a bad month for you. If your favorite number is a multiple of four and you go outside when it's raining, there will be an earthquake. Taurus, have a party. It will cure your blues. Gemini, if you play your cards right, you will have a good year. Cancer, a girl or a boy may come up to you in the street and kiss you. If he, she does, go jump in the lake. Might be the kiss of death. <laughs> Leo, you might see or hear many forerunners. Don't believe them, but they will probably be pranks. Virgo, if you get a job, start in the mailroom. You'll go to the top very fast. <laughs> Libra, if you are lucky, you will die. <laughs> Scorpio, which is me, by the way, if you have a party, make sure it is five hours or more. Sagittarius, don't watch any horror movies or else you will have the worst dream of your life. Capricorn. <laughs> Nothing important will happen. <laughs> Poor Capricorns. Uh, Aquarius, don't litter. The fine will be over a million dollars. And uh, Pisces, be careful if you go to a hockey game. Thank you. Chris, ladies and gentlemen, I love any class newsletter that so heartily embraces the occult. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Our next reader, Michael, is going to read a poem. And when I asked Michael what this was about, he said... His first love. This was written in grade 10, which he says becomes very evident when you consider the grammatical errors. Please welcome to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids stage, Michael. So the poem is called My One and Only Love. My love for you is so great. My heart melts for you night and day. Time drags on when you're away. Your beauty is so great. My mind waters till I see you. Thinking about you is all I do, all I need. While waiting for the moment to say I do. The moment when we take the lead, the lead on life. The moment when you become my wife. Together until the day we die. You are the apple of my eye. My arms around your shoulder, uh, my, then my hand comes to yours as its holder. <laughs> I still remember the day we met. I remember the day that you told me it was me you liked. 
I had a feeling like I, I had just striked. There's one of the bad grammatical errors. <laughs> uh, striked 10 pins in bowling, and it took a few months afterwards for the relationship to get rolling. But then I finally asked you out. The feeling after that like I was like I had caught the biggest trout. <laughs> the, the first kiss, hesitant to do it at first in case I might miss. I go for the cheek, afraid at first of what you might think. Uh, then eventually I get over those feelings. I think, damn, my pride, and I say, hell, hell, hell with it, go for the ride. <laughs> then there was our first public display of affection. <laughs> then at that moment, I really felt the connection. <laughs> though, then, th then, though then I was not all involved, I really felt your love's call. Thank you. Aww. Michael wasn't the only one at our Kingston show to share a piece of teenage poetry. When our next reader, Lara, was 15, she also wrote a poem. When I asked if the poem had a title, she said, yes, it does. It's called Growing Young. Please welcome Lara to our stage. Life is all wrong. The way I can see it. Somebody turned it around. We should die first, get it out of the way, then dig ourselves out of the ground. The first 20 years we'll spend groaning and griping about dentures and tight-fitting shoes. The next 20 years we'll spend working and worrying about mortgages, phone bills, and food. College, I'd say, is the next stage in life. Drinking booze, having fun, getting high. <laughs> then on to high school. New friends and new loves, new subjects, new teachers, new guys. As fun-loving children, not a care in the world, we'll kiss all our worries goodbye, then when we're infants, crawl back to the womb and fade to a twinkle in somebody's eye. Thank you. The really cool thing about Lara's poem is that a couple years ago, it was actually adapted into a major motion picture called Benjamin Button. <laughs> When Christy was in grades six and seven, she kept a diary, and on our stage, she shared a wide variety of entries that cover boys and school dances and dressing up like a prostitute for Halloween. A quick heads up, Christy's diary includes some cuss words, which we do not bleep. March 28, 1989. Dear diary, I might be slowly gaining Clarence back. Doug broke up with Batzer, only she doesn't even know it yet. 
I might have a chance with him. Life is so wonderful. If I play my cards right, I could get a boyfriend in the near future. I am being civil to Carrie again, and life is great. March 29th. We had the swimming instructor from hell again. She made us do two lengths of the pool doing the dog paddle. We also had to bark like dogs. I sat with Clarence on the way home. Robin is mad at him. Maybe she'll dump him and I can move in. I watched some of the Academy Awards. April 11th. Today was exciting, I guess. First of all, this is top secret. Here goes. Carrie has epilepsy. And you know that girl Tiffany I told you about near the very beginning of the year? Well, she saw her stepfather be murdered and she went to court to testify. I also heard that Mike likes me. It was a great day. April 12th, Charlene is now going with Mike. In Sarah's wise words, he needs a slut like that. May 2nd, I found out something today that I could have died when I heard. Carrie is going out with Mike. That rat, she probably knew I liked him. So when she couldn't have Brendan, she went after him. We're going to a play tomorrow. They're going to sit together. Gag. May 4th, dear diary, I got shit on by a seagull. May 11th, I'll never get over this. I guess I should be happy for them, but that can start tomorrow. The worst thing was when Carrie ran up and told me, here goes, Mike kissed Carrie. I am going to die. I guess the rest of the dance went well. I danced with Doug a lot. I kept slowly sliding my arms farther around his neck. He finally started to slide his arms around my waist, and then the music stopped. Bummer. May 25th, Doug asked me out today. I said no. June 6th, guess what? You've probably been waiting for that statement all year, but it's true. I got my punctuation mark. June 7th. Incredible things just keep happening to me. I'm going out with Clarence. Robin is really, really pissed at me. She's calling me a slut and a bitch. She's just jealous. Sex ed tomorrow. June 8th, asshole. He's using me to avoid Robin. Oh well, I guess I'll go for someone else. October 4th. Today was okay. Jason tackled me in football. I have a mark on my shoulder. I got a headache and I loved it. Reg ruined my fantasy by falling on top of me. Jason apologized, and I loved that, too. October 20th. Sherry, my sister, told me at Penn Center they have an all-new-kids-on-the-block store. What a great country this is. October 30th. I can't wait until tomorrow. Carrie is sleeping over. I'll probably dress up as a cat. Sherry borrowed a hooker costume from Susan, so I'll ask if I can dress up as that. I love wearing that costume. God, the guys I could attract with that. October 31st, Carrie slept over tonight. I was a hooker. Tony asked me out. I don't know if he was serious, but I wouldn't have gone out with him anyway. December 18th, I got an A-plus on my new Kids on the Block project. I can't wait to do gym class volleyball tournament tomorrow, just as long as we win, and some cute guy is on the other team. December 19th, we lost. December 25th, we got three new Kids on the Block shirts, books, wall flags, peace symbol hologram watches, Millie Vanilli and Bobby Brown tapes, just to name a few things. My biggest present is the waterbed that we still have to purchase. I can't wait. This was such a great Christmas. 
Thank you. Christy, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, give it up for whoever the one person is who singularly clapped for Millie Vanilli in this section right here. is grown-ups read things they wrote as kids. Our show was recorded live at the Mansion in Kingston, Ontario, and produced by Jenna Meisner. Olivia Nashmi is our intern. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. Our closing theme music is Oh Dear Diary by Sloan. We have a bunch of live events coming up very soon in places like Toronto, Sudbury, St. Albert, Ottawa, Vancouver, Victoria, Peterborough, and beyond. For all the details, check out our website, grownups.fm. You can also follow us on Facebook, where we post photos and video of the brave readers who get on our stage. Just search for Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.